welcome to episode 31 of the internet's number one Borat fancast, Borat Club, where yet again, Ryan, we have come back from uh, taking a week off uh, of recording. Our last episode that went up was recorded before we took the break, but, you know, um, things are going on in the world, and we felt those were uh, more important than Borat. Um Yes. And coming back that is, into that, it... That is not a hard comparison, I would say. No, it is absolutely not. Um, uh, and, you know, wasn't quite sure, you know, what it would be like coming back into it, uh, whether it would be easy to settle in or whether we'd be a little bit, you know, on edge. Uh, but I think that went okay for the most part. I mean, I think, I think it helped that we... We kind of set ourselves a little uh, activity to do what we watched this week, and I think without that, it might have been a little bit more of a struggle. Um, yes, but you did mention, like, right as we were starting off, that you thought it had felt like years since we last watched it, which I think really goes to show uh, the structure that Borat has brought to our existences, uh, and that really worries me. <laughs> Well, it's not just the destruction of Borat. I've, you know, it's, it is now June 13th, 2020. I have yeah. been inside my apartment for, I believe, three months straight at this point. Right, right. So between that and as we've mentioned on this podcast, everything that's going on socially in the world and especially in the United States at the moment, my, my perception of time simply does not exist. So, Without the weekly markers of doing this show, and we also skipped an episode of the Emoji Show as well, right? I I feel like I've been sort of lost in a vast emptiness of of timeless space for about what fourteen days at this point. Yeah. So you know, uh, things get funny. Things get things. Time gets weird. And I've got to say, Niall, this was a pretty okay viewing of Borat for me personally. I yeah. do think I was kind of just glad to get back into it. And I wouldn't rank it among our, our best outings on this podcast. It's certainly not one of the worst. I felt fine, right. you know, thinking about Borat and thinking about, I think, also the two movies that I watched this last week, one of which you saw as well, I should mention. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I think before we get into those, like, I just want to say, uh, like, yeah, I agree. I would agree with you. I feel like this... This watch slots nicely into the middle. There, yeah. somewhere in the fi- in the fifteen to seventeen uh, <laughs> range, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which is kind of thematic for later on as we get through uh, our things. But I, th- I guess before we before we hit Borat up uh, for a little chat here, um, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about uh, some other stuff? Because we did watch a movie together last week in lieu of Borat, and that was. Um, Upsetting, I think, might be the word to use. Uh, <laughs> okay, very, very carefully applied term there. Niall, would you like yeah. to tell tell everyone what it is that that we watched? Yeah, we watched Cats. Uh, Hell yeah! Um, Hell yeah! We did. It was my first time seeing it. You had seen it, I think, four or five times. I believe before last week. I, I believe the viewing with you was my sixth time watching the film. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's not a good movie, is the thing, right? About cats. It's. <laughs> like... I, I I disagree. 
I disagree. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, it's terrible. It's an awful movie. It's awful. It's like, so funny, though. It's so funny. I don't know. There's part there, like there's parts of it that I think are genuinely like they, you know, they're that like so awful that you can't help but laugh. And then there's parts of it that are just like just horrific to watch you know just like upsetting visually to watch mm-hmm. and it, bad like, bad to and see with your eyeballs bad to see with your eyeballs there are some performances in there that are just fucking dreadful you know <laughs> like like there are performances in there that put some of the performances in our favorite series, Resident Evil, to shame, which is really saying something. It really you is. Know, like it, it, it really is. You, um, I believe that you said that the performances of Rebel Wilson and James Corden in that film were worse than Selena Gullery as uh, Jill Valentine in the uh, Resident Evil Afterlife and Retribution. Yeah, I mean, I think they are because, like. When she opens her mouth in those movies, like, you can't help but just, like, burst into laughter because her delivery is so awkward and weird and stilted and, like, she's just kind of, like, barking at a green screen or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, James Corden and Rebel Wilson in Cats are supposed to be funny, is Uh the thing, right? And they're really not. Like, they take breaks in the middle of their songs so that they can, like, do some witty quips you know, so that you know that they're the funny cats, and they're they're really bad. Like, <laughs> I mean, I I don't like James Corden. I don't like Rebel Wilson. No, and, me neither. Like, I think neither one of them is funny to begin with. But like, Jesus Christ! Like, it's painful watching them, and like watching Rebel Wilson like two or three times in that movie, like literally, sh- like shed her skin and like discard it like it was like a jacket is nightmarish (laughs) especially when she has like another like full like outfit on underneath it it's such an upsetting visual (laughs) i love this i love i love this nile i have seen that movie enough that i think a lot of the more disturbing stuff has been kind of lost on me I will say, uh, I may I may have told this story on this podcast when my sister and I saw it opening weekend. I like uh-huh. I like jumped back in my seat when you see the the monkey strap the the cat with like you see the cat's face for the first time, right? And um, monkey strap is the one who's like a main character, but just like sings and doesn't really have his own song, and so. It like starts this this movie starts out with him like Spider Man crawling down like a brick wall. <laughs> it's so yeah, bad. it's it, it it like it again to bring it up to Resident Evil. It reminds me of Miljovovic running down the side of the building in Apocalypse. Like it's just so ridiculous. He's the he's the he's like the cat that's sort of leading Victoria the white cat like through it, right? Yeah, and then in the in the final scene, uh, the final scene. He is the one who's on the right side of Judy Dench with the collar on, where he's like licking right. his lips the entire time as she's singing. Yeah, yeah. He's making the like "fuck me eyes" at Judy Dench something fierce. You had a lot uh, to say that. about the "fuck me eyes" in that film. I I will mention that. Yeah, be, because like he's doing it a lot, and Francesca Hayward is doing it like constantly to everyone. Like anytime Jason Derulo is on screen, everyone is making him and him, and like I kind of get it. Like sure. Um, 
I feel like people like people are doing it a lot to um Idris Elba again I understand but like Idris like fucking Idris Elba in that movie you can see the morph suit on him and like cuz it's like the CGI is so bad so you can you can see like exactly where the hole for his face in the morph suit is and the like contact lenses he's wearing are just ridiculous and uh, <laughs> they're like they're like $13 movie. contact lenses bought from a hot topic that whole fucking movie is just upsetting like it, it's it's visually i think the most upsetting movie i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> that's that's bold that's very bold i am um, i don't think you're wrong though i would mostly agree that there is so much unintentional horror in that film if you're yeah. in the, like like i i probably talked this movie up to you for months after I saw it (laughs) and like you still were just gobsmacked by this film like just completely blown away you just can't prepare for it no you can't because like you have to see it to have the you know like people can tell you how bad it is all they want to but until you see it you can't like properly imagine (laughs) just like horrific like job that they've done on it yeah you know, it's just ugh. like even pictures don't do the film justice because no, you can they like don't. like all the pictures they released are obviously like the best that they have for that film, and even the best they have looks like trash. And to see right. to see them in motion, to see the faces like moving and like jerking around and like floating in front of their heads and just like the way they glide across the floor is <laughs> too much. It's, it's too much. I um, I don't know. I think the problem with Cats is that it immediately rocketed up to the top of my favorite bad movie list. Like mm. I started, I started last night because I watched another movie that I'd like to touch on before we talk about Borat. Uh, last night, I I started a list of movies, like infamously bad movies, ranked in order of whether or not I would watch them at any given moment. Okay. So, like, not by quality, but, like, if you ask me, say, hey, Ryan, would you rather watch Food Fight or would you rather watch Jack and Jill? Food Fight's going to be higher on that list than Jack and Jill is. And um, Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, my top five descending here is, number one, Cats. Always. I will watch, I will watch this movie any day, <laughs> anytime. Uh, number two is Troll 2, which I still think is very funny. Uh, okay. Number three is The Room, which you know is kind of a classic fallback. Sure. Number four, Batman and Robin. Again, a classic. Oh, one of the greats. One of the greats. You can't get enough of those Schwarzenegger puns. And number five... Oh, he's so good. Number five is Howard the Duck, which I think is actually pretty damn funny, aside from a very boring third act. Yeah, I think Howard the Duck is just kind of gross. Like, Yeah, I... He's, he's, <laughs> I don't know. It 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 didn't leave quite that impression on me. Um, it's interesting that uh, you know Resident Evil Retribution isn't on that list. Although well, Resident Evil know, Retribution is, is a masterpiece, it doesn't belong on this list. I yeah, I was gonna say like if you were offered the chance to only watch or not to only watch, but to watch either Cats or Retribution, which do you think you pick? I'd pick Retribution. I I, okay, I would good. pick Retribution. 
you're you're still on the right side uh, of that like, uh, debate. Then, well, well, cats is funny, right? Like, I do think it's really hilarious, but like, it is watching Retribution has has more, I would say, personal like memories for me in the way that. You know, yeah. I, I worked through all these movies. I like hyped myself up and I saw it and it was like worse, better, better than I could have ever intended. And like, right. I, I agree with you that there's a lot in cats that is just like bad to watch. So like, I, I think retribution wins because it's, it doesn't cause you physical pain the way cats does. It's very, no, it doesn't. it's a very easy watch and it's very goofy and, you know, you get to the end with Wesker, and it's great, and all that. So, I, I would say, if Retribution was on this list, it would still be number one, like, hands down. Yeah, just just before we move on from Cats, um, I do also want to bring up something that I really hated, like, and I think it's my biggest problem with the movie, is just its sense of scale. Because yes. it's all over the place. This is This is something that you were referencing constantly while we were watching the movie. And I, every time I've watched this before I watched it with you... I was so enthralled just by, like, the visual surface level atrocities that were being committed. I didn't even realize mm. how fucked up the scale is in that film. Right. Because sometimes they're the size of a regular cat, and sometimes they're, like, the size of, like, grown people, and sometimes they're the size of, like, children. Sometimes they're, like, two inches tall. Yeah, and, so, and like, it often changes in the same scene... <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, I, I think the scenes that, like, there's obviously the Rebel Wilson scene where she does her song. That's really bad for it. And also the scene with, um, fuck, what's the cat's name? You referred to him as the homosexual cat. I knew you were going to say that. Suspenders. I knew you were going to say <laughs> that. It's Skimble Shanks the Railway Cat. Skimble Shanks, okay. In a yeah. movie. Like, that scene is really bad about it as well. <laughs> Somehow, in a movie of excessively queer coded cats, they still managed to make an extremely gay cat by giving him fucking red overalls and like a waxed mustache and like a little conductor's hat. It's too much. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Oh. I'm 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 sure at some point we will figure out a way to talk about cats uh, at length on a podcast. Yeah. But um, you watched something else as well, didn't you? I did. I did. Now I I will refer back to my list here because I did read the top five. Now uh, uh-huh. this may surprise you, but I recently watched a film that I would say comes in at number six on this list. Okay. This film beats out Mac and Me. It beats out Food Fight. Definitely beats out Jack and Jill. Uh, Cat in the Hat, Master of Dis- So, so I, I will say, not to toot my own horn, but I the list is divided into like two very obvious sections where like the top half is like funny bad and the bottom half is like bad bad. And the movie that divides these two sections, uh, which I believe is number nine on this list, is Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas. Because everything above Viva Rock Vegas is something I would definitely watch if asked. But everything below Viva Rock Vegas, Jack and Jill, Cat in the Hat, Master of Disguise, Garbage Pail Kids Movie, Plan 9, Manos, Exorcist 2, Son of the Mask, and Battlefield Earth at Dead Last. Those are all films I would have to like heavily consider sitting down to watch. But um, the point of this is that number six is a movie that was actually just released yesterday at the time of recording. A uh, a film adaptation of a young adult fantasy action novel. Uh, this is the Disney Plus exclusive film Artemis Fowl, 
Now, I don't know how familiar you are with Artemis Fowl, Niall, just as like the like the author and like as a concept, like the books. Do you have any sort of familiarity with those? I'm I'm fairly familiar okay. with Artemis Fowl because those books would have come out like 2001 was the first one. Yeah, yeah, when I was like 11, 12 years old, 10, 10 years old, and I think uh what's his name? Owen Colfer, um mm-hmm. the author I believe is from nearby here and I think I might have gone to like a thing at my like school library that he was at. Okay. So or like the library nearest to my school, like in the town. So, um, yeah, I've, I have definitely read it and I think I might've met him. So, okay. All right. I, I'm fairly familiar with it or I'm, I, sh- I shouldn't say fairly familiar with it. I'm f- you're, like, you're, I don't you're remember aware. most like, of it. Like, like you're aware. Yeah, I'm aware of it. Sure. Yeah, I don't remember most of it, but when you sent me the screenshot of Judy Dench, who is also in cats, by the way, yes. and is terrible <laughs> in cats. Um, like I was, I thought it was a Spy Kids movie. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did. You just said Spy Kids, baby, yeah. And then because I thought you knew that it was Artemis Fowl because I had sent you the tweet that said um, from at Shafrillas uh, on Twitter who says I just watched Artemis Fowl in great news. Cats is no longer the worst movie Judy Dench has been in over the past six months. And so that was like, yeah. I, I knew this Artemis Fowl movie was happening. I didn't realize it was out already. And I saw that tweet and I was like, okay, I have to watch this. So that afternoon I sat down and, and watched Artemis Fowl. Uh, you said Spy Kids, baby. Yeah. I said, even the worst Spy Kids film is twice as good as this. Even the worst Spy Kids movie is twice as good as Artemis Fowl. And I will stand by that. It is like, I can't even. I can't even describe Artemis Fowl in a way that makes sense. Like, like the whole plot of it is that Artemis Fowl is this like junior supervillain kid, right? His dad, right. like, like they, they changed a whole bunch of shit from the book. Um, the plot of the movie is that his dad is like a super spy, like, like thief that steals all these priceless artifacts. But then he goes missing because he's been kidnapped by the fairies for stealing too many fairy cultural artifacts. So, mm-hmm. Artemis responds by kidnapping Holly Short, who is an operative of the militia known as Lep Recon of the... Uh, That's right! Yeah, yeah, because it's all based on Irish mythology. So it's... Yeah. it's um, There's Haven City, which is this underground fairy world, and Holly Short gets kidnapped, and Judy Dench is like, oh, we have to launch an assault in the mansion to get Holly Short back. And they do, and there's a dwarf that eats rocks and shits dirt. And you see that. You see that happen in the film. I I, I cannot stress enough. (laughs) And, like, that's the whole movie. It's an hour and a half, and it clips by really quickly because fucking nothing happens in it. Like, like it's like boom, 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 it's done. But at the same time, it it is like an incomprehensible movie. Like, if you haven't read the book, you will have no idea what's going on in this. And if you have read the book and are a fan you will be completely insulted because I feel like they cut out about two thirds of the material in the book. They com- mm. they completely change the characters. The tone is not nearly as weird or as dark as the book is, but like it's one of those bad movies where there are only a couple things that really stand out in particular in terms of stuff worth talking about. Like Judy Dench's performance is terrible. All the child actors are terrible. The guy who's the dwarf, whose name is Mulch Diggums. There's this like, you want to talk about fucking things that were so bad for your eyeballs they scarred you visually. 
There is a scene. <laughs> there is a scene. I don't know if I sent it to you, but there is a scene where Mulch Diggums gets ready to infiltrate the foul, like foul manor, and he uh-huh. graphically unhinges his jaw. It like they use CGI to like stretch out his mouth like taffy until it's like the size of his whole body, and it like snaps back. And then he says, "It's feeding time." And then he like tilts over and crouches down in the dirt. And you see his, like, red heart boxers. And as he starts eating the dirt, like, like I'm dead serious. Soil starts rocketing out of the man's ass. Like, you are, like, not his, like, bare ass, but, like, out through the back of his boxers. And I, like, watching this scene was being, it was like being electrocuted, Niall. Like, I was so, I I was so unprepared for this. I had to stop the movie and just cackle for, like, three minutes straight. It's so horrendous and then it gets worse because you see his like cgi body like flopping around like a used condom as he like chews through all this dirt and like you see the dirt like fly out of the leg in his boxer shorts and like it's like that is like hands down the worst part of the movie but the whole thing is like every if you name any hallmark element of a bad movie artemis fell has it there's canted angles incomprehensible subplots bad costumes bad acting like nonsense lore bizarre cinematography there may be a bad racism allegory in there i can't really tell like the whole thing is just it's not it's not pardon the pun foul in the way something like cats or like food fight is but it's just so consistently bad in like every single element that it demands to be seen. Like, I, I cannot believe that Disney released something of this low quality, like, in the year 2020. And I'm not going to defend Disney, but, like, you would think a corporation with as much experience as them as, like, churning out these fucking, like, family blockbuster movies, you think they would know how to do this by now, but... This Artemis Fowl movie is a complete shit show from start to bottom, uh, from start to finish, top to bottom... <laughs> whatever you want to say. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Disney should be glad that it was released on streaming services because if it had come out in theaters, they would have been eviscerated critically and commercially. Like I would have gone to see this movie in theaters three times. Like it is that, that heinous. It's so funny though. It's like, it's like deeply funny in the way where it's like, okay, nobody knows what's going on in this movie. Everyone's reading this awful script, like, just acting like acting to the best of their ability, which is just complete shit. They use a really bad black and white filter in a whole bunch of parts. It's, it's like, I could talk, I could just ramble about this for, for like a full hour. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't really want to. I just want to say, hey, no. ring-a-ding-ding, bad, bad, bad movie alert, Artemis Fowl, it's it's gonna go down in history. Will likely be depending on what else gets released. Will likely be the worst movie of 2020. I would say. I mean, I don't know what the next six months is gonna look like, but if it's not the worst movie of this year, it is definitely easily top three. So it right. it gets my seal of yeah. approval. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I gotta see this fucking. Movie. You do. I I need to. I I need to hit my brother up and see if he if he can give me his Disney Plus account or something yeah, for the day. Yeah, please do. I I need I need I need to find this because, holy shit! Like, I like as you were talking, like I was remembering things about like the book, but none of it sounds like like it even really like 
feels like the same story, right? No. Like the like the images you sent me looked like I said, like they were out of a Spy Kids movie, yeah. which is not how I ever like pictured Artemis Fowl in my head no. uh, as a kid. Ar- so, like a lot of the stuff uh, in Artemis Fowl is uh, the book seems like very grungy and like very dystopian, and like it's this really it's this really dark movie where Artemis Fowl or, or like. It's a dark book where Artemis Fowl is like literally like a junior supervillain, right? And the whole point of the book is that the fairies are the good guys and this kid's being an asshole, but he learns to be not so much of an asshole as the books go on, which I think is really interesting, right? Because most kids' books, you know, you focus on a likable protagonist, but Artemis Fowl is like junior Lex Luthor, essentially. So to to see this movie where the production design is like subpar knockoff knockoff guardians of the galaxy like marvel cinematic universe bullshit where like mulch diggums has very visible eyeliner on for the whole time and looks like a hobbit cosplayer it's it's just it's just it's just bad and like okay the best way i can describe it is like star wars prequel-esque i would say where there's all this lore that doesn't really make any sense like there's all these like vaguely sci-fi costumes and sets Everybody's taking right, it really yeah. seriously, despite the fact that they can't properly act. But it, it, it's 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 just like a carnival. It is like a constant blow by blow by blow of a film that is just bad on a, a, a subatomic level. I would say, like failure is is baked into this film on the molecular scale. So that's 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 all I really want to say about it. But you should definitely give it a watch if you can. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try and watch it. Um in the next couple of weeks because i got a couple of weeks off work now so uh i'll, f- I'll fit it in there somewhere because yeah. i want to watch a movie a day anyway yeah uh but speaking of watching a movie a day i've watched my movie for today um and it's the hit 2006 comedy borat it's borat baby um, it's borat baby um and you know we had a little fun activity that we uh that we did this week during our watch yeah, um, yeah we did you know i feel like like pretty early on uh in in this watch uh one of us uh wondered you know how long borat was in the united states for mm-hmm. uh and so what we did was during the movie we kept track of you know all of his activities and you know where the where the breaks would be day to day and you know figured out what he was doing each day he was in the states how long he was in the states for and it, it, it's sort of you know from the minute he touches down in New York until the end of the movie where he uh goes back to Lunel, mm-hmm. we'll say. Um and so I think we you know, we we've put together a pretty uh pretty solid itinerary here. There are there are a couple holes in here where, you know, this th- this thing or that thing might take a whole day or it might be two days or you know, but I think this is that we've got this pretty much down uh, as close to a science as we could pro- we could possibly get it on our thirty first watch. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe another thirty watches from now, you know, we'll we'll be able to knock it down and you know definitively uh, nail down you know how long it all takes. But for now, I think you know I think we're at a good enough uh, starting point here. I agree. You know, Niall, what is the what is the final number we came up with for this? Uh, we came up with a minimum of 15 days and a maximum of 17 days, uh, sort of just, you know, allowing for the amount of time it takes him to, you know, traverse uh, certain areas of the U.S., you know, how long he might be hitchhiking, how long he might be on a bus, things like that. Yes. You know, that's that like I feel like those two things specifically are like him in transit is where we kind of, 
you know, there's some like gray area, whereas I feel like the rest of it is pretty clear pretty when concrete. you sort of think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So do we wanna do we wanna go blow by blow through this list? Do we just wanna kinda talk about it? Yeah, let's let's uh let's think about or talk about this, um, you know, see uh give people the opportunity to, you know, debate us on this, but I think we're <laughs> I think we're pretty I think we're I think we're pretty close to correct here. I, I so, would say so. Yeah, I think so. So day one, uh or really actually because I'm I'm actually noticing here we actually have this from more or less the time he leaves Kazakhstan. Yes, we did include yes. the day where he gets on the okay. plane in Kazakhstan. Um, okay, because, so that's day one. Because I think the whole thing that this came from was talking about like them celebrating when he leaves Kazakhstan, and um, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So I would I would consider that like like in terms of his journey. The first step of his journey is leaving Kazakhstan to take the plane to New York. So I would consider that a day. Yeah. Okay. So after that, we have sort of day two and day three. Uh, you know, he's in New York. Day two, he, you know, arrives in New York, goes to the uh, Hotel Wellington. Um, day three, uh, he has his, uh, his, his bussy blow dried, as you, uh, as you put down here in the notes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is also when he meets Pat Haggerty, I believe. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah, yes, and, and and of course that night he sees Pamela on TV, uh, and that brings us to day four, where he is uh, talking to the feminists, right? Uh, and he has that awful yes, exchange. first thing in the morning. Yeah, first thing in the morning. Then he goes back to his hotel and he gets his telegram, um, and then he kind of convinces Azamat, you know, on the merits of. Traveling across the country to go to California to meet Pamela because the telegram says that his wife is dead, right? So yes, yes, right. I I feel like I feel like we're charting Borat's like how people chart what people were doing before a murder was, was committed or like a that. crime. Yeah. <laughs> we're like we're like going back through the last days of Borat These are his movements. Like it's one. <laughs> yeah, it's like Buzzfeed unsolved. Borat disappeared and was never seen again. Let's let's go back and di- dissect Borat's last two weeks, and then it's like day one, Kazakhstan. See, it's hard to do a BuzzFeed Unsolved impression because I feel like it gets too close to chills. I, I yeah, I was gonna say that I thought you were doing a chills impression. I don't know. I don't remember what their names are. It's like Shane, Shane, and Ryan, and I think Ryan's the one that does it, where he's like. He's like, and then Bigfoot came out, and they said he smelled like a smelly penis or whatever. Right? I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know. the The point is, is that we are we are now uh, solving the disappearance of Borat, which is not at all a disappearance, and it's just him disappearing from the United States of America and going back to <laughs> Kazakhstan. Yeah, so, I feel um, like, like we're one step away from this being like the like outline of like a true crime uh, book or something, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Or, a po- or a true crime podcast about Borat, his murder. I mean, this movie is a crime, so Did we Azimat basically are. commit murder? Did Borat kill Azamat? Oh, that's what that's what the true crime podcast about Borat would be. It'd be about Azamat's death and how 
how he was with Borat up until like day oh. fourteen or whatever. Yeah, because you don't you don't see him at the end, right? Because he right, went to exactly. uh, he went to heaven. No, he went to hell while Borat went. He to went heaven. to hell. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, Bor- Bor- Borat sent him to hell. <laughs> I well, Borat didn't send him to hell. Borat just got converted to Christianity, so he by default went to heaven. Right. Yeah, but I mean, if this is if this is a true crime murder thing, oh, okay, true, right, right, right. Then, we we then have Borat. we have too we have too many intersecting theories about I, the yeah. film Borat. <laughs> Borat hired death to kill them both. <laughs> uh, so day five uh, was pretty busy for Borat. Day yeah. five, we decided was when he goes to the driving the driving instructions with Mike, and then he immediately goes to buy a car with Jim Sale, the car salesman. Yeah, we kind of debated this a little bit. Um, you we know, did. Whether there was any paperwork after the, the driving lesson or whatever, but I think what we ultimately settled on here was, you know, he just doesn't get a license. He just does one lesson and that's pretty much it, right? Um, yes, I would think so. Yeah, because I feel like otherwise you'd have to have a whole, like, fucking thing of him going to a DMV and... <laughs> Like taking his actual driving test and he's just knocking into everything. Just I would have loved to have seen Borat at the DMV. I think that should have been something they put <laughs> in this film. It's like Goku getting his driver's license. Yeah, they've got like three hours of footage of him just sitting there waiting for his number <laughs> to be called or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So next up is day six, which is where Borat arrives in Washington, D.C., interviews Bob Barr and attends mm-hmm. the DC Pride Festival. And um, yeah. although although we don't see this scene until the next day, this is chronologically the night where Mr. Clean puts a rubber fist in his ass. Yeah, it is. And, you know, speaking of Mr. Clean and his other friend, um, you know, we, we kind of had a little bit of a discussion on whether or not we thought they were uh, actors Yes, just some dudes from the uh, from the parade, and I'm not I'm not quite sure, uh, you know, th- that they're actors. I, I think we I think what we both kind of settled on was that they must have just been like actual guys at the parade. And I think I think the logic you used was that Sasha Baron Cohen couldn't possibly have come up with a costume as good as Mister Clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think so. I am. Um... Well, it's it's the fact that the guy has the Mr. Clean shirt, and I could I could have sworn that the other dude also has some sort of gay shirt on as well, but I can't for the life of me remember what it is. Like in, in my mind's eye, he's wearing something about a, a shirt that says he's like a switch or he's verse or like a top or a bottom or something mm-hmm. like that. But I don't know if that is actually in the film or if that is something my mind has just like implanted from my own you know, sort of direction I would have taken this film in into the film itself. Right. I feel like I keep trying to read it every week as he's walking into the room and like, you can never get a clear enough shot of, you know, him to, to know what it is. Maybe, maybe we need to pay more attention to him instead of looking at Mr. Clean waving around the fists uh, (laughs) next week and see see if we can find out what this guy's deal is. I did look up Borat Mr. Clean on Google Images. Not a, a single, not a single result from I'm actually looking for. But um, here is a here is a uh, image of fucking Neil Patrick Harris in How I Met Your Mother dressed up as Borat, which is great. Great, really, really good image here. Really, great. really fun. I love to see God. it. God, remember Neil Patrick Harris? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> 
remember when people like thought his character from that show was funny? Ostensibly, uh, yeah. 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 When when I was in college, there was a there was a dude in uh, my class who was a huge fan of whatever that character's name is, and like used to constantly post like the suit wearing memes or whatever from like that fucking show. And I I never watched the show, but just seeing those memes just always made me go like, oh, this is the most like fucking like big bang theory ass like terrible unfunny bullshit comedy it could possibly be isn't it yeah I, it seemed that, it seemed pretty pretty bad <laughs> yeah that's that's all i've ever known about that show and like i've judged it entirely on him being in it and his character's one trait apparently being that he likes to wear suits so great i that yeah. that seemed like one of those kind of like reddit mail like oh this is how you have yeah. to live your life because it's so cool and he's he's so suave and he wears the suits all the time yeah he, he's definitely from that era of like early reddit like bacon memes and Ugh. like clueless meme face or whatever uh hey speaking of memes i did find yeah. a meme that that compares the virgin borat to the chad bruno Ooh, uh let's see I that will, i don't want to read all of it out loud uh because you know the content but i can only imagine yeah oh wow yeah Yeah, they've really uh uh they've really gone gone all the way on this one uh here's here's a couple borat humor comes from shitty one-liners bruno humor comes from elaborate over-the-top jaw-dropping pranks uh borat too insecure to show uncensored dick on camera bruno shows his enormous schlong in hd during the helicopter uh, Borat ruins an innocent man's antique shop. Bruno ruins the circle jerk that is Paris Fashion Week. Uh, Bor- Borat shits in a sock. Bruno bleaches his asshole. So there's a lot. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> this Does Borat to- shit in a sock? Not, Not in, in the movie. movie. No, yeah. he may have. He may have done it in like the uh, TV show or anything. But I don't. I don't remember. No, no, he doesn't shit in a sock. He shits in like the the plastic bag, and he takes it yeah. down to the uh, to the to the um, dining people. I, th- I yeah, think that's not, what this person. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what this person's confused about. Yeah, apparently, apparently, Bruno almost fucked Ron Paul though. So I mean, I I I don't remember any of that movie. It was a traumatizing experience. Yeah, I don't either, and I don't want to watch it anytime I, soon. So I saw it as in theaters as a young teenager with my family mm. and with a friend's family because Great. we all loved we all loved Borat. And we were like, oh fuck yeah, this is gonna be so funny. <laughs> and we and we watched it, and it's like horrifying. Like it's so much worse. It's so I. <laughs> I will go, in my memory, Bruno is, like, twice as bad as Borat is. Like, I, I, I think I would have to revisit it to know for sure, but right. I I have no positive memories of Bruno whatsoever. <laughs> no, I feel like Bruno has, like, had no impact long-term on the cultural consciousness no. at all, right? I think by the time it came out, people were sort of sick of his whole deal. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I think after Borat, like that was it for him, or not that wasn't it for him. But like I think, I think people when Bruno came out weren't yet aware of the fact that they'd had enough of Sasha Baron Cohen. Like when Bruno came out, I think people were still pretty okay. Like definitely not as scorching hot as when Borat came out. But like mm. I would say the next one he made, like The Dictator or whatever, that's when people that was awful. That, 
Yeah. That's when people knew they were done with Sasha Baron Cohen. But hey, we are not done with Sasha Baron Cohen because we still have to talk about our itinerary for Borat. Yeah. So day seven um, is his interview with Alan Keyes. Uh, kind of a down day for Borat. You know, he just sort of has a, a, a short interview that doesn't go very well. And then he, you know, he heads out, uh, leaves DC uh, for the next morning on day eight. Where he's on the uh, the morning news in Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. of course, you know he has a, he has a, a wonderful interview there. He meets a very nice, very square suited man, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, then he then he goes to the rodeo, and uh, we kind of, we kind of um, had a little detour here as we we tried to figure out. Um, the song that's playing uh, at the start of the rodeo scene, uh, it's, a, it's a country song, and the guy says uh, he has, what, three days to get from Cheyenne to Cheyenne San Antonio? Cheyenne to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we tried to figure out how long the drive that actually is, and it's, like, three days is extremely manageable for that, right? It's like... Yeah, we, we decided it was, a, it was, what, like a 15-hour drive? 15 like, hours, yeah. Yeah, you could, if you were, like, really pedal to the metal, you could do that all in one day. But, like, even if it took you three days, that's only five hours a day of driving, which for someone who lives in Texas where it takes you, like, three and a half hours to get from city to city, that is not a particularly long haul, I would say, to do over three days. Yeah, I had to, like, put it into maps, like, in Europe to try and figure out, like, get a sense of the scale, and it's, like, Paris to Vienna, roughly. Mm -hmm. So for anyone else listening to this in europe like that's roughly the length of it that's not too bad a drive right like that's like a nice weekend or whatever that's yeah like this the song makes it sound like he's like you know like flooring it the entire way like he's like you know like on a tight time budget here to get from cheyenne to san antonio uh-huh. it's, it's fine like I, I could do that drive i'm sure you know yeah so i'm looking this up um and if you hypothetically drove um, across Texas, like from the top of the Panhandle to the southern tip, uh-huh. and you were going an average of about sixty miles per hour, that would be a thirteen-hour drive just to get across Texas. But um, yeah, Texas is too big. We need to make it smaller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In in that time, you could go coast to coast here like four or five times. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you would need to drive from north to south Texas like that, but you could, and you could also drive all the way through uh, what through like Alabama because on day nine, Borat has a pretty big day mm. on on day nine. He does very busy. They start out at the garage sale where the lady no sells him on the Baywatch magazine. Mm-hmm, then from mm-hmm. there, they get on the road and they run into the dudes outside the school who roast his pants, or specifically his underpants. Yeah. Then we get the uh, iconic shot of Borat walking to the hotel with his pants pulled down. And we also get the bed and breakfast. So day nine for Borat, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty packed. I'd say, pretty I would packed. say day nine. And I believe, um, Day day nine, ten, and eleven are all very busy for Borat. They are, yeah. I I would say that that like those three days are sort of pretty much nonstop for him. He's just constantly, you know, he's trying to figure things out in that day. You know, he's got his like big moments in that day. You know, there's, there's a lot going on. 
So, I mean, technically, like, well, depending on what time they leave the B&B, it might actually run into day 10. But what we do know is uh, day 10 is when he visits the gun store. Um, and uh, the guy is more than willing to give him a gun to help or to tell him at least what kind of gun to use to kill Jewish people with. Uh, he then goes to the ranch um, uh, where he gets the bear. Uh, and we kind of talked about this during the watch, but they give him, like, it's so obvious that they gave him nothing at all to work with, and they yes. still had to keep it in just to, like, figure out a way to introduce the bear. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, is great. But um, no, it's a turtle in a shell. Yeah. And he's just like, well, I need an animal for protection. Uh, and then from there, he goes to, uh, his etiquette lesson and then to the dining, uh, society. Uh, and after that, he goes with Linnell out to the bars. So, like, they have... That's a busy day. Like, whatever way you slice it, that's, like, a lot to get done in a day. Yeah, absolutely. That is, like... That's more done in a day than I've done in the last three months, you know? So, yeah, that, that's Borat, right. Borat living his life to the fullest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, after, after you know, he brings Linnell home at the end of day 10, possibly if it's after midnight, early on day 11, uh, they stop by the antique store um, as they're sort of getting into Texas, I believe, at this point. Yes. Um, they're getting in, in, in and around the, the Dallas area. And, of course, Borat smashes up the, the antique store and the Confederate shit in there, which, you know... You love to see the Confederate stuff getting destroyed, especially, you know, <laughs> yeah. with ever with everything going on. Like it's always been great to see it get ruined, but uh these past couple watches, uh especially satisfying. Uh and of course then they uh they go to the hotel room, uh Borat takes a bath, and Azamat jerks off, and then they have their nude fight. Uh they go and they, you know, bother some people at the mortgage broker convention or whatever it is and uh you know they're they they split apart uh at the end of uh day 11 um yes this is where the the great divergence begins here we we lose we lose azimat's timeline we don't we don't really know but yeah if our timeline is correct that would mean azimat would have had three uh, three to four days to make it to California and institute himself as a street performer. So Asimat's right. getting pretty busy during this as well. Yeah, he is. I mean, you know, we do know Asimat is the money man of the two of them, so it is entirely possible that Asimat just took a flight, which, you know, yeah. that's a few hours. That's that's something know. I never thought of. How did Asimat make it to California? Because he didn't have the car, but I would assume a flight from Dallas to Los Angeles would be extremely easy considering the airports of both uh, both cities. Right, yeah, you wouldn't need to... Well, would you... I actually don't know how it works domestically in the States, but would you need to, like, still go through all, like, passport checks and stuff if you were flying internally? No. I don't, I don't know. In 2006, I don't know, but if I am getting on a plane... In the United States, and I'm flying to another place domestically, the process is that you go in, you check in, um, you have your luggage, and you go through a uh, security checkpoint where they run your bags through like the conveyor belt, and they check your ticket. And then after that, um, 
Well, when they do the check, you have to give them your driver's license. So they check the oh, ticket okay. against your driver's license. Then you go through the security checkpoint. They scan your bags. And then you just wait. And then when you actually get on the plane, all you have to do is show them your ticket. So okay. um, I assume it would have been largely the same in 2006. So as long as Azimat had some form of identification, I think he would be good to fly. Right. He likely wouldn't have had to go through immigration when he got to no. L.A., because he'd have already done it. Right, so yeah, okay. So that would knock a little bit more time off. So, I mean, how long would you, would a flight from Dallas to LA be? Three hours? Yeah, roughly, you're right. Maybe? You're right. It's about it's about three hours or so, depending. Yeah, about like, like, yeah, so. Non-stop, I'd say, like, three and a half hours, but... um, Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, if, if he's first thing in the morning getting on a flight and going to LA, like, he, yeah, he, he would have three or four days to rent himself a costume and get out there on the yeah. <laughs> on this on the street i wonder like do you need a permit to do that on the that's street a, in that's LA? a great question i i don't know i don't know i wonder what? yeah like i wonder yeah. like i wonder how easy it is like could i just go out there and put on my cowboy hat and my wolverine tank top and like be like hey i'm over hell yeah or, you know you know what how, how does that work if you, you know what if you're listening to this and you have been a performer um outside the chinese theater in la we'd love to hear the process for that um niall when we so do yeah. our borat borat road trip across america we do have to go to the walk of fame dressed as cowboy wolverine oh i would love to do that i would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's 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 oh god i mean it's you know, a spiritual a, journey yeah, in a, in, a, in a perfect world, I would love to just do that Borat road trip, but mm-hmm. uh, you know it's probably not realistic. Uh, not ever. right now. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, day day twelve as we're on. Um, it's the van monologue and potentially some of the hitchhiking and maybe the frat boys. We this is kind of our first like part of the timeline where it becomes a little fuzzy i feel like the reason this one is a little complicated is because we get the van monologue which is really easy to follow but as we see him going through the outskirts of um of west texas you you can definitely see the sun like starting to go down right like you see the sunset in the background but then when he gets to the um after after the bus not the bus the ice cream truck breaks down it's like yeah. in the middle of the day again. So I don't know if that's just like a gaff, which, you know, whatever, or if the implication is that he was driving across a day and like broke down on the next day, or if he's hitchhiking for like a day, like that's, yeah. that's one of the uh, variables we have here, but we do get on either day 12 or day 13 for the sake of the list. I said day 12, uh, we get him hitchhiking and then we get the uh, frat boys picking him up. Right, and like you can kind of tell when he's in there with the frat boys that the sun is setting. Like it's got that sort of, you know, there's some sunbeams coming in. It's that kind of low light, kind of you know, dusk look to it. So it's hard to mm-hmm. tell with that stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, and of course, at the end of that day, he leaves the frat boys. He has his, you know, his breakdown. He burns his ticket. Uh, he cries himself to sleep outside the church, which brings us to the next day, day 13, we'll say, for the sake of, you know, this list, which is uh, the church uh, scene, the revival. Yes. And this, this, again, 
you know, there's a, there's a slight, you know, question here um, as to whether he gets on the bus to L.A. that day or the next day, because obviously the church is the first thing he does when he wakes up, because he wakes up as people are going in, and so he just kind of wanders in. Um, and then he goes with uh, the friends of Mr. Jesus, as he calls them, to L.A. And we don't know if that's the same day, is it the next day? It's, you know, it's possible. But that's him going to L.A., him meeting Azamat on the Walk of Fame, being killed by death, you know, ascending <laughs> to heaven, all that Busy stuff. day. Busy day. Yes. I think it's likely that this is all on the same day, because if we only go by what's presented in the film, the Indiana Jones map tracer picks back up in, in like, Arizona, I believe. Mm, and you mm. could definitely take a ride from the middle of Arizona to Los Angeles within the same day. I, I, I'm sure that's possible. Yeah, that, that that feels like if you left early in the morning, you could probably get there, I would assume, by the afternoon, evening, probably. I don't know how far that is, but I would assume that's, like, five, six hours, right, roughly, maybe? Yeah, let me see. So... For the sake of argument, if you were in Flagstaff, Arizona, which I think okay. is a little too far north, but we'll just uh, we'll just say that for the sake of argument. And sure, if you were sure. driving to Los Angeles, let's see here. That would be a 6-hour and 43-minute drive. So definitely right. possible. Definitely it does, possible. It does seem like when Borat makes it to Los Angeles, it's in the late afternoon. So yeah. I I think I think that tracks yeah yeah and of course as as azamat brings him back to the hotel azamat does mention uh pamela's signing is tomorrow mm -hmm. which brings us to <laughs> day 14 mm -hmm. which is the uh the virgin megastore pamela anderson you know all the all the sort of you know uh hijinks that ensue uh and then you know day 15 through maybe day 16 He's on the bus uh, on his way back to Alabama to meet Lunell, right? And yes. To go back to Lunell. So that's sort of, you know... From again, Los Angeles, I definitely think it would take multiple days to get to where Lunell is at. Yeah, and I think it would probably be even slower if you're taking a bus, right? Um, mm -hmm. Especially if he has to transfer buses, you know, it's probably... You, you're probably not getting on a Greyhound from L.A. straight to... Where, where was it? Like Birmingham, Alabama, I think it is. Probably, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I doubt you're doing that in 24 hours, but who knows? Maybe you are. So yeah, that's the uh, that's the unified timeline of Borat. Uh, yeah. Again, I, after after talking through it, I'm going to say like 16 to 17 days. I think 15 yeah. is too few with how long it would take yeah. to get back to Alabama. Yeah, I, I, I think 15 doesn't give any... Uh, any room for relaxation, any room for anything to like go wrong, any room for waiting, you know, yeah. that, that, that would sort of assume that he is all go all the time when he's not asleep, which, you know, as we know, is kind of not the case, uh, here in the movie. <laughs> so 17 days of Borat, huh? 17, for 17 days, at least Borat was in the United States canonically. A menace. Um, <laughs> a menace to a menace, society. Yeah, a menace to society. Arrested. How many, how many times were the cops called? Like 90 or something in yeah, 17 like, days? Yeah, like, like some some absurd number. Let me yeah. look. Yeah. Well, Niall, I don't have much else to talk about about our 31st episode of Borat, um, aside well, from the I, timeline. I, 
I, I do have one other note here. We did briefly debate uh, during the nude fight scene uh, whether Bernie Sanders would like the movie Borat. And uh, kind of, yes. that kind of moved through to, uh, you know, what presidential candidates, what prominent politicians would like Borat, dislike Borat, you know, uh, how, how, uh, those kind of people would feel about it. I think, I think where I stand on it is that Joe Biden would fucking love Borat. Absolutely. Um, Trump, I feel like is a little, it could go either way. I think he, I think he would find it really funny, except for the part where he shits outside Trump Towers, you know, and yeah. I, I feel like given what we know about uh, the fragility of that man's ego, it's entirely possible that that one shot would have ruined the whole thing for him. But I, think he de- I, I think he definitely would have been on board with all the racism and homophobia. Oh, absolutely. And, like, he would have thought it was hilarious. Yeah, so... My, my take on uh, Bernie Sanders was that he would have thought it was kind of funny, but again, as a man of the Jewish faith, I don't know how he would feel about you know, everything else in this movie. I would love to get in touch. Do you think if I wrote a letter to the office of Bernie Sanders, be like, Hey, you know, long time fan, first time caller. Can I please get your opinion on the 2006 film Borat? Do you think he would, he would respond to that? Well, Ryan, there's only one way to know for sure. Um, (laughs) You know, I think you got a lot of free time on your hands at the moment. Um, I think, you know, it might do you do you a little bit of good to get some pen and paper in your hand and just, you know, get get a little bit of uh writing done. See see what Mr. Sanders uh thinks about the works of Sasha Baron Cohen. Um So apparently uh Bernie Sanders was interviewed by Cohen for his Who is America show. Mm. Um and the first headline I see is Bernie Sanders was not amused by Sasha Baron Cohen's disguised character. Does it say which uh, disguised character he was? Was it the like uh, parody of of a like Billy Wayne, or? Billy Wayne Ruddick Jr., the same Cohen character who pranked Sarah Palin? Is is that his like cowboy? I I'm trying Hang to on. look at the here. I'll, 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 I didn't want to actually have to watch the video, but I will. Uh, he's in like a he's in like a motorized wheelchair. He has like a blonde mullet. And okay. like oh, yeah, a, yeah, like okay. I, I know the one. Yeah, that's like his like ultra conservative, you know, gun rights, anti-gay character. You know, gotcha. It's 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 his parody of like the racist American stereotype, basically in every way. So gotcha. Yeah, Bernie Sanders is not seeming to give him anything in this clip. <laughs> yeah, that ca- that character, I feel like specifically, is the most like. This is obviously like a European's interpretation of uh, <laughs> of it, you know. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say uh, very much. I live the, in Texas. Like, I live in Texas. I've seen this person at the grocery store before. <laughs> sure, pretty, I'm sure. Pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it just always felt to me like okay, like this is this is like every joke about Americans that you ever hear people over here say. So yeah, you know, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, so to answer the uh, first question, the police were called on Sasha Baron Cohen 92 times during the film. 92 times. Wow. Yep. Incredible. Incredible. Incredible work from Sasha Baron Cohen, a movie that has stood the test of time and will stand the test of time forevermore. 
like like Ozymandias in the, uh, yeah. in, the in the in the sand, <laughs> fucking the legs of Borat. Ugh. Uh, can you imagine what it's going to be like in like a thousand years when people are like uncovering archives of movies from the two thousands and they're like, check out Borat. <laughs> it's gonna be like um it's gonna be like the really uh the really bad films from like early Hollywood where they're gonna really sport and it's gonna be a disclaimer where it's you know, uh <laughs> this movie is of its time. Uh we can't condemn yeah. this, but it is historically important for you to know that this existed. I mean <laughs> Uh it's not that bad. Like I mean it is bad, but it's not like that bad, I don't think. I'm sick of talking about it though, Niall. Do we wanna do we wanna go ahead and wrap up Borat Club for this week? So yeah, I think that about does it for this week on Borat Club. Um just before we get to the wrap-ups and everything, uh there has been some issues lately with our podcast feed. Um episode twenty-eight disappeared completely from the feed for some reason. Really? Uh episode thirty I uploaded it and published it on Tuesday night as normal and it never published. So I had to do it again last night when I was going to re-upload 28. Um, So 28 will be back up probably before this episode goes up. Um, We also had somebody uh, tell us that they were not able to get 29, even though it looks like it went up for other people. (laughs) Um, Jesus, okay. So I'm, I'm putting together a little, like document or like list uh to send to our hosting support and see see what they say about it um if you have had any issues with getting episodes of borat club please send us an email uh boratclubcast at gmail.com uh let us know you know what issues you've been having with it so that we can uh forward them on to our host and hopefully we can get it all fixed and sorted out soon yeah uh yeah um but yeah ryan um you do other stuff you mentioned your emoji podcast earlier on uh where can people find that stuff yeah i do emoji drone with sylvia from friends at the table we record uh mostly weekly it's been a little spotty uh in the last month or so but we just we are just putting out one about the juggler emoji which was a harrowing experience. Bad emoji. Don't like to see it. And you can find that at Emoji Drone on Twitter or on any sort of podcast app or service. My personal Twitter is at Cursegoat. So if you want to hear me tweet and live blog my Artemis Fowl viewings, that is the place you want to go for that sort of thing. Cool. What about you, Niall? Yeah, um... Video game stuff at videogamechoochoo.com. Choo-choo is in like a train. Uh, I don't have a personal Twitter, but Borat Club is on Twitter, at Borat Club. As I said, our email is boratclubcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on Borat. Um, I know Ryan and I are hoping to maybe potentially be doing something uh, as a a second project. A little, like, coming up fairly soon, we'll work out the details of that we don't want to say exactly what it is yet but uh, (laughs) yeah we've we've got a lot of ideas i think for it which is good um and yeah you know again like we said last week um 
if you have the ability to get out there and protest or to donate to, you know, your local Black Lives Matter group or, you know, other organizations that are out there fighting the good fight for uh, black lives, we would encourage you to support them in any way you can, you know, um, stay safe out there. You know, if you are protesting, uh, it's obviously a time when a lot of stuff is going down and, you know, hopefully you can all stay safe and, you know, everything will hopefully someday work out for the best. Um, yeah, solidarity with everybody who's doing that. Um, and if you like this show, please tell a friend, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We would really appreciate it. Um, and until next week and viewing number 32 of the classic movie Borat, Ryan. Classic film. We'll see you next week. See you next week.